0: to all of you, please join me Open your Bibles to 1st Kings chapter 22, Kings chapter 22, we are going to read the last verses 51 through 53 and we will continue the reading and we will read also the whole chapter of 2nd Kings from verse 1, Through verse 18. So we'll begin at the end of 1 Kings 22, verse 51, and we read straight through the first chapter of 2 Kings. This is the infallible word of God. Ahaziah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel in Samaria in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah and he reigned 2 years over Israel. He did was he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam the son of Nebah, who made Israel to sin he served Baal and worshipped him, and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Now Ahaziah fell through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria, and lay sick. So he sent messengers, telling them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Akron, whether I shall recover from the sickness. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah the Tishbite, Arise, go up to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Akron? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord, You shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. So Elijah went. The messengers returned to the king, and he said to them, Why have you returned? And they said to him, There came a man to meet us, and he said to us, Go back to the king who sent you. And say to him, Thus says the Lord, Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Akron? Therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up, but you shall surely die. He said to them, What kind of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered, He wore garment of hair with a belt, of leather about his waist and he said it is Elijah the Tishbite then the king sent to him a captain of 50 men with his 50 he went up to Elijah who was sitting on the top of a hill and said to him "O man of God the king says come down but Elijah answered to the captain of 50 if I am a man of God let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent to him another captain of fifty men with his fifty. And he answered and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order. Come down quickly. But Elijah sent answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven. And consume you and your fifty. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent the captain of the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. And the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him. O men of God, please. Let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Behold, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of fifty with their fifties. But now, let my life be precious in your sight. The angel of the Lord said to Elijah, Go down with him. Do not be afraid of him. So he arose and went down with him. To the king and said to him thus says the Lord because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub the God of Akron is it because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his work therefore you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up but you shall surely die so he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken Jehoram became king in his place in the second year of Jehoram, the son of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, because Ahaziah had no son. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaziah that that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? Let us pray. Lord our God, we seek you once again as we open your word and we hope to hear from You. We ask You, Lord, that You teach us once again that You will stir up our hearts to fear You, to know that You are the living God, to know that You are a consuming fire against those who, who defy You, Lord. But You are also a God of mercy. Please teach us this evening, we pray in Jesus. Amen. The first scroll of the book of Kings ends on a bad note on the life of Ahaziah, He's Ahab's son. So, though Ahaziah had the examples of his parents and uh, he could have learned from their bad end, he chose not to. As we read the end of chapter 22, it is as though the Lord writes on his tombstone. He lays a man who did evil in the side of the Lord. His life was a life of provocation to the God of Israel. Though he was born among the covenant people, the chosen people of God, he worshiped Baal. A life of those who ignore the God of Israel is a life of provocation to him. It is a life of provocation. The Lord says, You shall have no other gods before me. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. I am. A jealous God. And the life of the ungenerate, unregenerate person is a life of provocation to the Lord. Some excel in that provocation, as we see here in the case of Ahaziah. He excelled in that. Had not the Lord interrupted his life, perhaps he would have been worse than his parents So, as we begin the the first chapter of 2 Kings, we can see one example, how was the life of this man that lived a life of provocation to the Lord. And here, we have a clear instance of it. A life of provocation. Things are not going well for Ahaziah. First of all, Moab, was under the control of the Israelites, and now they rebel. On top of that, he has this nasty fall. He fell from a lattice, and he begins to become very ill. So instead of looking to the Lord, the God of Israel, he sends messengers far away to consult Beelzebub, the God of Ekron. To know, to find out whether or not he's going to be recovered from this illness. But as Ahaziah sends messengers to consult of the false God, God interrupts that and he sends his messenger to Ahaziah. Ahaziah should have known better, but he sends To a false God God will send the true prophet his messenger to him with a question a rhetorical question is it because there is no God in Israel that you go after Beelzebub the God of Akron the God of Akron he should have known better the king of Israel Israel was a special nation. It was a nation that God chose and that God had a special relationship with them. He was the only true God and He chose them to be His people. He gave them His special revelation. If all men in the world are inexcusable because they can know God through nature, those who have His special revelation. Are even more inexcusable. And this was the case of Israel. And of the king of Israel. You know it was bad in the times of Ahab. Ahab is the worst king of Israel. But in his time. Though it was only a formality. It was not a seeking from the heart. There was still seeking of the Lord of Israel. Of the God of Israel. Though he would do it. Through false prophets. There was an appearance. Of seeking the Lord. At the time of his son. Things are going worse. As it is always the case with sin. It doesn't stop halfway through the bottom. It goes straight to it. So at the time of his son. There is no seeking of the Lord at all. He takes the trouble of sending messengers to consult of a false god. Perhaps had God not interrupted the the life of Isaiah, he would have been worse than his parents. But the Lord intervened, and and his life, his reign short-lived. Two years, and he died. Our texts never tell us the answer of Ahaziah to God's question is is that because there is no God in Israel that you are going after Beelzebub the text does not tell us his answer to that but God is going to answer him in this text in a very vivid way there is God in Israel and this is the title of this sermon there is God in Israel and we are going to see here that he's very active first. Second, we are going to see that the God of Israel is a consuming fire. And finally, we are going to see that he's merciful. There is God in Israel. He's active. He is a consuming fire, and he' merciful. First of all, he's active. Baal is not, because he's an idol, but God is active he is going to answer the question that ahaziah makes because he is the true god Ahaziah is seeking for answers in the wrong place the question that he makes can be answered only by the true god the god of israel knowledge of the future belongs to the lord he is the one who answers the deep inquiries of man. He is the one who reveals those things. A fortune teller cannot know the future. That knowledge belongs to the living God. And God knows the future not because he takes a peek at it, because he can foresee what's going to happen. He knows the future because he determines it. He knows the circumstances of someone's Death because he determines the way it's going to happen. God reveals those things to men. Nowadays, God no longer no longer tells people prophetically the circumstances of their death, but He still answers the great dilemmas of human life. And what are the great dilemmas of human life that only God can answer? What happens after that? Well, the Bible tells us that man dies once. He's appointed to die once. And after that comes judgment. Comes judgment. This is what God reveals about the future. Is the world going to end in a global warming is it going to be a lack of water we'll have no water and then that's the end of the war well God tells us exactly what's going to happen Jesus will come for a second time and that will be the end of history as we know it and in that time He will call his people to enter a state of eternal blessedness and his enemies will enter in eternal torture God the God of Israel answers the inquiries of men and more important than knowing the circumstances of our death is knowing that what happens after death depends on our relationship with the God of Israel The God of Israel also curses the idolaters. He is active. He is not a dead God. He curses the idolaters. God said to Ahaziah. Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub. You shall not come down from the bed. Which you went up. This bed. That you went up to. You are not coming down from it. Because you consulted the Alzebo. Well, Psalm 115 says, Idols are silver and gold. The work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. They do not make sound in their throats. How can? Beelzebub answered any question but God curses the idolater Psalm 115 verse 8 says those who make them become like them so do all who trust in them that is a curse you become what you worship if you worship money well there will be your curse. Everything in your life, your relationship, your friends, it's all about money. Your friends are going to be those who have the potential to bring you money. God curses the idolater. There is an element of stupidity in idolatry. The prophet Isaiah says that the idolater goes to a wood and he cuts down wood. Part of it he makes... He just puts into fire to get some heat, and the other part of it, he makes an idol. And what is the point of that? That is stupid. But he is like his idol. He can't see the obvious. Talk to him. Tell him. He will not hear it. And isn't it what is going on with Azariah here? This man. This man is seeking Baal. And God sends to him a true prophet. You not hear it. God sends fire from heaven. You not be moved by it. He's like his idol. He can't hear. He can't see. He's dead. He is dead. He can't see that the only character of this narrative that does nothing is Beelzebub. Beelzebub was, uh, Baal was known as the God of fire. One common way that he is represented is with a boat of lightning as his scepter, representing that he is the God of fire. But now, as Ahaziah wants to, to meet the God of fire, he's going to meet the real God of fire. And this is our second point. The God of Israel is a consuming fire. He's a fire that consumes the proud. By hearing God's threats, what do you think should have been the reaction of Ahaziah? By hearing the threats of God against him, what do you think should be the reaction of any sinner? He should tremble. Ahaziah should have trembled. He knew Elijah. He knew the God of Elijah. How can he seek a dead God when he heard of the God of Elijah? The God who raises the dead. The God who says, you are going to die and you die. His parents died according to the word of God spoken by Elijah. But he can't see that. God is a consuming fire that will, that will burn up the idolaters. By hearing the description of, of uh, the prophet, Ahaziah knew who he, whom he was. Well, the messengers of Ahaziah didn't know, but when they told the description of the man, because Ahaziah was not concerned about the words. He didn't hear the threats. He was more concerned about the men. What is this man like? Well, he dresses a hairy leather. He dresses in a certain way. And he knew exactly whom he was. It is Elijah, the Tishba. He knew he was a prophet of the true God. Instead of paying attention to God, instead of repenting, he proudly resists God's word. He sends a captain and of his army with fifty men, and I don't think that Ahaziah wanted to invite uh, Elijah for a coffee because when he wanted to consult. When he wanted a religious consult, he sent messengers. But to Elijah, he sent a captain and 50 men. He resisted, he's resisting the word of God. How do we know he, he meant harm to the prophet? Well, first, he's sending 51 men against him. But if you take a look at verse 15... It says that the angel of the Lord says to Elijah to go with the third captain. But it also says, do not be afraid. Obviously, there was a reason to be afraid. So the first captain comes to Elijah and demands, O man of God, thus says the king, come down. But there is an inconsistency in the speech of these men. He calls Elijah a man of God, but he doesn't treat him accordingly. Well, if Elijah is indeed a man of God, if he is at God's service, why are you making demands to a man who is at God's service? Well, he is also proudly resisting the word of God's servants. So Elijah answered the captain and said, and ironically he uses his word, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. And it happens just as Elijah says. Those men are consumed. They demand come down, but the only thing that comes down is fire. Sent by God. The second captain is even more bold than the first. Was was he not to learn from what happened to the first 51 men? It's not every day that you hear that fire came down from heaven and burned up alive 51 men. And he adds to that, come down quickly. Come down quickly. While the proud sinner hardly learns from his mistakes, from the mistakes of others. He hardly learns from the mistakes of others. And this is the case with the second captain. Shouldn't he have learned? Well, those dead bodies should have been a sermon to him. Should have been a sermon that humbled him. And what a sermon. But he will not hear it. So the same thing is going to happen with the second captain. Elijah says, if I am a man of God, as you say. Let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Yes, there is God in Israel and he is a consuming fire. And he consumes the proud sinner. He consumes the proud. Ahaziah was not moved by the death of 102 men. He does not fear God. He will continue to send men. And he will send a third captain. And he's 50. And this leads us to our third point. The God of Israel is merciful. Is there God in Israel? Yes. There is. And he is merciful. You know, some people will put... The Old Testament and the New Testament against each other the God of the Old Testament was a consuming fire and the God of the New Testament is merciful well that can be true because God says of himself I the Lord change not God doesn't change which means he hates sin now as much as he hated in those times It is the book of Hebrews in the New Testament that says that God is a consuming fire. But also, God was always as merciful in the Old Testament as He is now. And this is what we see in our text as well. He is merciful. He warns the sinner. He warns the sinner. The rebellion... Of Moab and the serious illness were meant to bring Ahaziah to his senses it was meant to bring him to his knees sickness is a time to see how fragile our lives are it is a time to reflect on our dependence on the Lord times to seek the Lord earnestly Sometimes God takes away from the sinner everything that he has. Health, wealth, any possession, anything that he would trust apart from God so that he would see his need of God and cry for mercy. C.S. Lewis says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pain pain is god's megaphone to arouse a death world every hardship every sickness is a time to turn to christ it is a time when the god when god the god of israel is calling us come to me as a needy sinner and you will be spared you'll be spared The God of Israel goes after the sinner. And this is what another thing that we see in this text. He's merciful. He goes after the sinner. What Ahaziah did was contrary to expectation. The normal path would be to seek the God of his people, the God of Israel. But he he sends messengers. Far away, he takes the trouble to send messengers. Far away, to inquire of a false god. And this is a picture of the heart of every sinner. Man will never take the initiative to seek God. Man will never take the initiative to seek God. Romans 3 says, No one seeks God no one seeks God Men travels far if necessary to consult false gods they go on pilgrimage seeking for healing they will inquire the future on horoscope fortune tellers as though there is no true God around to be consulted salvation exists because God to the initiative. To seek man. Salvation is God's interruption. Of man's. Sinful. Idolatrous. Pilgrimage. He comes to meet. The sinner. When Adam sinned. He didn't look for the Lord afterwards. It was God. With those. Merciful questions. Adam where I was God calling him when Jesus comes he says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost it is God's initiative salvation exists because God seeks the sinner He's seeking Ahaziah. He has warned him. The fact that he fell from a lattice, the fact that he was losing control of the enemies should have aroused his conscience. The fact that God sent so, so clear messages to him was to call him to... His niece. God. Threatens the sinner. So that he will humble himself. And cry. For mercy. We see. Also here. That the God of Israel. Chose mercy. To those who fear him. Ahaziah. Was not moved. By God's wrath. Not moved by the fight. But the third captain is, when he approaches the prophet, he calls him, just as the others did, O man of God, but differently from the others. His speech is different. He treats the prophet as a man of God. He begs. He says, please let my life and the life of these 50 servants of yours be precious in your sight he fears he considered what happened as a warning as should have ahaziah he says behold fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former cap former captains of 50 men with their 50s but now let my life be precious in your sight. In other words, I heard of the fire that consumed 102 men alive, and I am terrified. I am terrified. I am very much afraid that the same thing could happen to me. So please, spare my life. Dear friend, this story is not like a horror movie movie. Meant perhaps only to satisfy a strange desire of entertainment. It is a real story. It is a a real story. It's obviously not a romance. It is a terrifying story. And it is meant to be like that. To make you afraid. So that you would bow to the living God. True legion. True religion is not only about fear, but fear is an essential element of true religion. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Not fearing Him is stupidity, it's playing with fire. It's playing with fire. Wasn't that what the Ninevites heard? They heard God's threats. Forty days. And Nineveh Will be overthrown. What happened there? They repented. They took it to heart. And they were spared. They were spared. Fear of God humbles the heart. That is the beginning of wisdom. Fear of God. It's to live in the reality of God. It's more than knowing that God exists. It is to live in the reality of God. Ahaziah knew that God exists. But he lived as though he did not. And that is possible. That we know God. But we live as though he does not exist. He does not control things. But the things he does. He does. But another thing that we see of the mercy of the God of Israel is that salvation is not far out of reach. Salvation is not far out of reach. Ahaziah is going to die, but it's not because salvation is very far. The third captain bowed. And said a few words, sincere words. Let my life be precious in your sight. Was it Elijah immediately that spared the life of that man? It was the angel of God that interrupted that process and said, go with him. Go with him. Salvation is close. Is easy to the sinner. Dear friend, every man, every woman, it's not, not all men, all women, excel in wickedness. But we are all born as though in a deathbed. This is where sin puts us. In a deathbed. And we need to recognize that this is the reality. The Lord wants you to know that today so that you will cry out to Him if you haven't come to Christ yet. He's ready to hear the sinner saying, Let my life be precious in your sight. It was God who he spared the third captain. Now, as a final thought, I just want to bring out that it's only in Jesus that a man can escape the God of fire. Only in the Lord Jesus Christ. The astonishing events of this narrative become well known in, the, in, the, in Israel. If you defy the God of Israel. You are dealing with fire. Fire will come down from heaven. And consume. In the New Testament. When Jesus is coming to Samaria. The city from where. Ahaziah sent messengers to Beelzebub. When Jesus is coming with the disciples to Samaria. They are rejected. And guess what the reaction. Of the disciples was. Lord. Do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven? But the Lord Jesus did not want to do so. It was not because Elijah did something wrong. But because Jesus wanted to show that it's not the day of fire. That is, Today is the day of salvation. What happened in that day with Elijah was, was something, was telling about something that is going to happen. in it. But today, today is the day of salvation. When Jesus was on the cross, and he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Bystanders said, see, he calls for Elijah. Perhaps he wants fire to come down from heaven and consume his enemies. Jesus did not do that on the cross. He prayed for forgiveness. He wants people to be saved. The only fire that came down that day was the fire of God's wrath. To consume the sacrifice. And Jesus was that sacrifice on the cross. You know, fire may not come down from heaven against sinners today, but it will certainly come one day. It will certainly come one day. The Bible tells us that unless we are shewed by the cross of Jesus Christ. We will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. and that is forever. That is forever. This is the end of the worshipers of the beast and its image. And this this is meant to scare you to death. so that. You cry out for mercy, and instead of a God of fire, you find a God of mercy. Let us pray, Lord God, the only true God, the God of fire, the God of mercy. We praise your name. We thank you, Lord, for this kind warnings you did you did not have to warn men about judgment you did not have to reveal these things about the future but you have graciously done so and how many times this word doesn't come forth how many times in different places even this day lord your word is being preached The warnings are being given to men so that they may bow to you that they might recognize that you are the only living God. Lord, we come to you even as those who have already come in the Lord Jesus Christ. But let this image of fire remind us of how much You hate sin. That we might run from it. In Jesus we pray. Amen.